0: Okay, we're back to podcast. I hope everyone's doing well, and uh, you've had a good week in the Lord. Um, I'm so thankful uh, for for God giving us uh, this day. It's been a blessing. Appreciate uh, Him meeting with us this morning. Uh, this we will have podcast on Wednesday. And then, uh, I'll be, I'll be out of town. I'll be, uh, leaving on Saturday morning, uh, headed to Florida for, for a few days. We'll be coming back that Friday, I believe it is, the 15th, and be back in services with you on the 16th. I've never missed a Sunday, um, this, this particular trip's just requiring a little more driving, uh, than what I usually do. I usually just go to the North Carolina coast, but, um. We we're going to go down there this year, and so please pray for us uh, as as we travel. And uh, I get sleepy at night, so I'm going to leave about four o'clock in the morning on Saturday to try to avoid as much night driving as possible. So do pray for me, <clears throat> and um, then pray pray that uh, praying for your services, uh, our church services on Sunday. Brother Farron is scheduled uh, to, to deliver the message there. Please support him, pray for him. And uh, then we've got, um, uh, we'll be back in, in home or in, in home, uh, in-person Bible studies at the end of the month on, uh, I believe it's July the 27th, if I'm, if I'm not mistaken. Looking forward to getting back to that as we go through the book of Genesis all right, uh, Mark chapter number nine. Mark chapter nine. Very good stuff remaining in this chapter. Um, I, we closed out. This is a very fascinating story. In fact, I've got, I've got some messages preached um, about child raising and, and the word of God from this chapter. It's of great note. In fact, let's just start there so I can elaborate a little more in John 9 and 14. 9 and 14. I I did cover it briefly in the last uh, podcast, but I want to go back to John 9 and 14. I'm sorry, Mark. I've been saying John. I do apologize. Mark 9 and 14. And when he came to his disciples, he saw a great multitude about them, and the scribes questioning with them. And straightway all the people, when they beheld him, were greatly amazed, and running to him, saluted him. And he asked the scribes, What question ye with them? And one of the multitude answered and said, Master, I have brought unto thee my son, which hath a dumb spirit. So, what, what was happening is, is, of course, during the, the time of Jesus and, and his ministry, there, were, uh, there was rampant uh, demonic activity. It had stepped up in its intensity. It had stepped up in its frequency. And the reason is, is Satan's always going to fight when God's at work. And so, of course, Jesus being on the scene, headed to the cross, that would be the case. Uh, especially during his ministry, and so this particular child would have a dumb spirit. In other words, he's not speaking. He's not talking. He doesn't want to communicate with the father. And I, I, I've raised teenagers. I've raised, I've raised my children. I've, I've got one one remaining, and you know, but essentially, that's that's a minor. Um, other two children are, uh says almost 19, Say Haley is 22. And there's something that happens, um, I've seen it, I've seen it, I've experienced it, where there's a real battle that goes on in the teenage years uh, between a parent wanting to raise them right, to do right, to, to guide right, and, and them, and, and what's going on inside of them. And if there's a lack of communication, there's a lack of speaking, a lack of talking. And that is not produced by your child. Modern psychology and modern sociology would seek to try to, to, talk about the changes that the child's going through that you know they're, they're a different time in their life and it is middle school years early high school years are a very uh very pro- I mean, even in my own i mean all of us could probably could attest that's probably the most difficult time in life your body's changing your mind's changing you're you're coming into uh early or late adolescence uh you're coming into adulthood in a few years everything's happening fast But what strikes me is the continuation and the continual regression into the silence that young adults have, or early adolescents have, the silence that they have towards adults that want the best for them. Now... Again, modern psychology and sociology would attribute that just to hormones, physiology of the Bible, when the reality is therein is where the battle lies for the soul of these children, for the soul of these young people, and a demonic influence. I'm not saying a possession. You see, Hollywood... Uh, really, has always been against God in the Bible. That'll never change. And they tricked us into thinking that devil possession was, you know, like the Exorcist or or the Amityville Horror or something of that nature. When reality, um, it it may not. It, I'm not even speaking of a possession in just the degree that. Um, the spirits that the spiritual battles that a child faces, especially in those years, I've I've experienced it. I, I remember going through it with my son. Our relationship is 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 wonderful right now. It was and when when we were when we he was a child, a little child, it was the it, you couldn't have been any closer. I mean, we were, we were noted, known in the community for being thick, just as thick as we could be. But there was a battle that took place around 13, 14, 15, even 16. It started to change around 17, for the better, through a lot of prayer. And that battle, folks, was this spirit of silence. Silence. The spirit of a lack of communication. And I knew it was a spiritual battle. It was not something emotional or physiological that he was going through. It was a distinct physical, spiritual battle. Here's how I know this. Look with me in the Bible. You see, I know the Bible. So I don't need psychology or sociology to support what I'm saying. I know the Bible. In verse 17, and one of the multitude answered and said, Master, I have brought unto thee my son, which hath a dumb spirit. Someone that we speak of being, and you don't hear it like you used to because of the negative uh, connotations about it, but uh, deaf and dumb. Deaf and dumb is you can't hear, nor can you speak. Hmm. Sounds like early adolescence and late adolescence sometimes. They don't hear what you're saying and they won't speak to you. That's what's going on with this this young man. A deaf and a dumb spirit. A dumb spirit. That is a spiritual problem. They don't hear and they don't speak. And wheresoever he taketh him, he teareth him, he foameth, and he gnasheth with his teeth, and he pineth away. So this, this has stepped up. The dad has tried to intervene uh, through his own measure, through his own wisdom, probably his own physical power. And there's a physical battle almost taking place. It says, whatsoever he taketh him, he teareth him. So there's a a fight, and he foameth, and he gnasheth with his teeth. That would be gritting his teeth, and he pineth away. And I spake to thy disciples that they should cast him out, and they could not. So the preachers that this man took his boy to couldn't help him. Had no idea of what to tell him. In fact, I think one of my messages from this chapter is called powerless preachers. They have no power. No power with God to be able to effectively help anyone. He answereth and he saith, O faithless generation, this is Jesus, How long shall I be with you? How long shall I suffer you? I bring bring him unto me. They brought him unto him. And when he saw him straightway, the spirit tear him. And he fell on the ground, wallowing and foaming. Now here's our issue. And he asked his father, how long ago is it since this came unto him? And he said, of a child. So since this boy was little, his problems went on. This didn't start in adolescence. This problem happened when he was a child. And these powerless preachers could not help him. Now, folks, that tells me we need young men, young women, young people under preaching with power, not powerless preachers. That that's what that teaches us of a child. And oftentimes it hath cast him into the fire and into the waters to destroy him. But if thou canst do anything, have compassion on us and help us. And Jesus said, If thou canst believe, all things are possible to him that believeth And straightway. The father of the child cried out and said with tears, Lord, I believe, help thy unbelief. That I means you believe, but you really ain't sure about it. I've seen people like that. A lot of people like that. You believe, you're just not real sure. And so the Bible says, verse 25, when Jesus saw that the people came running together, he rebuked the foul spirit, saying, Thou dumb and deaf spirit, I charge thee, come out of him and enter no more into him. And the spirit cried and ran him sore, came out of him, and he was one dead, and so much that many said he is dead. He's just tired. He's just tired. Jesus sometimes wants wants us to rest, but Jesus took him by the hand, lifted him up, and he arose. And when he was coming to the house, his disciples asked him privately, Why could not we cast him out? And he said, This kind can come forth by nothing but by prayer and fasting. Now, that's how I close the last lesson. So these disciples had no power. Here's the message to the preachers. Here's the message to you. Here's the message to parents concerning what kind of preacher you would want somebody sitting under. The question remains, why are these Preacher's powerless. Why could these disciples not help the boy? Jesus said this kind can only come through prayer and fasting. I tell you who you want your your children under, who you want your family around, who you want people, and that's the preacher that knows how to pray and a preacher that knows how to consecrate himself to God to be used for God. That's what fasting is. It may mean food, lack of food. It may mean... um, lack of, of something that would distract him, whatever the case may be, the term fasting would simply mean to to dedicate to consecrate and all quite often it is food um, but it doesn't have to be food, it could just be a simple con- consecration and separation to God that we may have the power of God that's what this is talking about all right, verse number 30. They departed thence and passed through Galilee, and he would not that any man should know it. For it is told his disciples, said unto them, The Son of Man is delivered into the hands of men. They shall kill him. And after that he is killed, he shall rise the third day. But they understood not that saying and were afraid to ask him. So he's, he's telling them again of the death, the burial, and the resurrection. He came to Capernaum and being in the house... He asked him, what was it that you disputed among yourselves by the way? But they held their peace, for by the way they disputed among themselves who should be the greatest. So Jesus knew that they were disputing. He knew that they were talking. He knew that they were debating. So he got them to the side and he said, so what what are y'all talking about? They wanted to know who was going to be the greatest. Jesus answered who's the greatest. This is message number two to all of us today. I think it's important for our church. It's important for me. We, we have... There's no secret. I mean, you just look. We've seen a decrease in, in number. And um, it is very disappointing. Sometimes, you know, especially it, the basis on it a lot of times. And... But the fact of the matter is this. Success... In the eyes of God, is is determined by a far different way than success in the eyes of man. I I I've I, here lately, I, and I, I, you all know I'm not a Southern Baptist. I, I there's there's reasons for that. Uh, a lot of it is philosophical. Um. Whereas God designed the church to be completely autonomous, not having any any other organization as a, as an authoritative power over a church, and we, we or even influence, and uh, in, in most cases the associations and conventions have unduly influenced uh, the autonomy of churches. So it's philosophical, but then the direction that they went. Uh, sometimes ordaining you know ladies uh, acceptance of the newer versions of the Bible a lot of things that's not that's not the point I'm making, but I do want to throw that in there. but it was it was this I guess it was this last session they had to decide on I guess a new president and the direction they were going you know whatever I mean just take the Bible. you don't need a session to decide the direction you're going. we got you got the word of God. how foolish is that? But anyway, Rick Warren. I guess um, most of you know him through the public purpose-driven life books and stuff. I've never read it, never will. But he he stood up and he he basically shamed a lot of the the more conservative core of the the convention. And he did so by espousing off all that he did and all of the churches that he supposedly planted and all of the, the um, uh, properties that had, they had bought up, all the money. I, and he was simply going on numbers alone. Well, folks, I've got news for you. Numbers is never and never has been. The barometer for success in the eyes of God. Never will, never has been, nor shall ever be. Success in the eyes of God is are we faithful. Well done, thou good and high number servant. No. Well done, thou good and faithful servant. That's what Jesus said we will be getting our rewards for. Our faithfulness, not our numbers. Our faithfulness to teach, to preach, to stand on the word of God, to do what's right. Therein lies our basis for success. Now, having said that, the disciples have a convention of their ongoing. They're all gathered together. Funny thing, Jesus is nowhere to be found. But he does know what they're talking about. So they're all debating something. Jesus walks up says, What, what are y'all talking about? What are y'all, what are y'all arguing about? And they held their peace, For but by the way, they had disputed among themselves who should be the greatest. They didn't want to tell Jesus what they were arguing about, but he knew. But there were argument on who would be the greatest. And he sat down, and he called the twelve, and he said unto them, If any man desire to be first, the same shall be last of all and servant of all. And he took a child and sent him in the midst of them. And when he had taken him in his arms, he said unto him, them, Whosoever shall receive one of such children in my name receiveth me. Whosoever receiveth me receiveth not me, but him that sent me. Here's the greatest in Jesus' eyes. In fact, he will actually go on later to say the first shall be last, last shall be first. The greatest is never whom the world views as the greatest. The greatest is not in numbers. The greatest is who has a, a humble spirit to the degree of being faithful to God. And he uses the child as a point of reference. The child, ladies and gentlemen, never really thinks of pride, ego, or arrogance. They just have a humble will and spirit. Okay? I'm going to tell you what we're going to be judged by, our faithfulness and our spirit to do right. Do what's right in honoring God. And so John answered him, saying, Master, we saw one casting out devils in thy name, and he followeth not with us, and forbade him because he followeth not us. So now John is saying, look, there's one that I've seen doing some work, but he's not one of us. And Jesus forbid him not There is no man that should do miracle in my name that can lightly speak evil of me. For he that is not against us is on our part. For whosoever shall give you a cup of water to drink in my name because you belong to Christ, verily I say unto you, he shall not lose his reward. Quit putting precedence on things that Jesus doesn't put a precedence on. Remember what matters, and it's the work of God, our faithfulness to it, And humbly, most of the time privately, serving Jesus in our day-to-day lives. Something as simple as giving a cup of water in my name to somebody that needs it. Do you know what that is? That is being a blessing, being kind, doing good to your neighbor, and letting them know that Jesus loves them and that's why you're doing this for them. That's simple. That's simple, folks. That's simple. Therein lies where we're judged at. But ain't that good? And what so and whosoever shall offend one of these little ones that believe in me, it is better for him that a millstone were hanged about his neck and were cast into the sea. How about that? These child pornographers, these pedophiles that are so prevalent and prominent today that have been just almost hid, no punishment. God said, I tell you what, it's better that a millstone hung about your neck and you thrown into the middle of the sea than to be one of these that would offend one of these little children, especially someone that doesn't, and they are representing God. I've known, and look, we, we throw off on the Catholics, but I've known many of Baptists that have that have not been real innocent and, and also messed with children. And I'm telling you right now, the Word of God is very, very serious about this. Watch what the Word, watch, look, Look at what the Bible says. Verse number 43. And if thy hand offend thee, the hand. How would the hand offend someone? Speaking of a child. Touching them in an inappropriate matter. Cut it off. I mean, we've got a president of the United States today that's been accused of this. That's how far things have gotten. Thy hand offend thee, cut it off. It is better for thee to enter into life maimed than having two hands to go into hell, into the fire that shall never be quenched. So the Bible teaches us very well how to clear up touching and defiling little ones. Castration, cutting off, taking away, maiming, removing the offending member. What was the offending member of the body that offended one of those little ones? A hand, something else, whatever it was, the Bible, the Bible says, just cut it off. Remove that hand. You don't got to worry about it touching no one else. Inappropriately. Don't have to worry about it touching anyone else in a way that it shouldn't be touching them. Now, if you got a red letter Bible, that's in red. If you use a red if you got to have that, and that's fine, I'm not against them. The one I the one I teach out of podcast is, is red letter. So I'm not against them. I'm just saying if you got a red letter Bible to tell you what Jesus is saying. Jesus said that. It's better to remove the offending member of the body than it is to hurt and harm one of these little ones again. That stuff is, it is wicked. And our society's covering for them, our lawmakers are covering for them. This Maxwell lady just got 20 years in prison for uh, child porn and the like. But nobody is yet. Anyone is yet to see who's on her list. It's a problem, folks. It's a problem. I remember when I worked for the prison system, I would see and look. There's nothing more. The only thing sicker than harming a woman in this regards harming a child. So don't don't think I'm I'm not promoting that in any way. But I will say, I would see men get life for raping a woman in five to eight years for a child. Now, this was back in the 80s and 90s. Make that make sense. I'm not saying they should have any more than raping a woman. But I'm saying they definitely shouldn't have any less but our it's it's been geared that way for a long time this this sick fetish with with our with with children and folks Jesus deals with this harshly and he deals with it appropriately i'll tell you how to defeat it cut it off whatever the member was that offended it that's that's what Jesus said to remove remove the offending member And for appropriateness, he used the hand here. He says hand. But that doesn't change the principle, whatever it was. Now, verse 44, Jesus teaches on hell. Where the worm dieth not, the fire is not quenched. Jesus teaches and speaks of a literal hell. It is not just separation from God. Unfortunately, I've I've read an interview with Billy Graham, and he did, in the interview, make the statement that he wasn't necessarily sure that it was speaking of literal fires of hell that he felt like separation from God in and of itself would be hell. That is wrong. That is completely and totally, 100% wrong. Hell is a literal place. Literal. It's not figurative, and it's not just speaking of separation from God. In Luke 16, he said he was tormented. The rich man in hell was tormented in this flame. In verse 46 of Mark 9, where the worm dieth not, and the fire is not quenched. A literal place with fire that cannot be quenched, and nothing dies. Now, that's, that's the, the horror of it. You're just there burning forever. And if the eye offend thee, pluck it out. That goes for pornographers. It goes for pornographers. An offending eye. It is better for thee to enter into the kingdom of God with one eye than having two eyes to be cast into hell fire. Where the worm dieth not and the fire is not quenched. For every one shall be salted with fire. Every sacrifice shall be salted with salt. Salt is good but if the if the salt had lost its saltiness wherewith shall you have seasoned it? Have salt in yourselves and have peace one another. Now, it's fascinating that Jesus ties in losing your salt with what I just taught. It's fascinating. You want to know why? Because when's the last time you've heard anybody speak on hell like I just spoke about it? When's the last time you've heard anyone speak on the subject matter that I just finished up teaching on? Probably never. You want to know why? The salt has lost its savor. Preachers, not the world, preachers have quit talking about this stuff. They've quit teaching about it. They've quit preaching about it. The salt has lost its savor. May the salt... Never lose its savor. May, may may I never lose mine. May Bethany never lose hers. May you never you lose yours. Salt is a preserving. Salt is for seasoning. And God uses it as an example as what Christians should be. We should be a preserving factor in the world, and we should be a seasoning factor in the world. May we never lose its savor. Good night. God bless you all. Pray for me and my family. You'll hear from Farron Sunday morning and podcast from me Sunday night and Wednesday night. I'll be back with you next Sunday. I love each of you.